welcome to Live Your Own Way with me, Lucy Gleason Interiors, chatting homes, life and inspiration with my very special guests. Welcome. I have Rob Abrahams on the podcast today, who is co-founder of conscience-led designer paint company, Coat Paints, along with other founder, Rob Green. In 18 months, they've become well-known for their passion and responsibility towards the planet, being the first climate-positive paint company in the world. If you've ever wondered what a paint VOC is and what makes a more healthy option for your walls and cabinets, we'll cover this, along with how they make their own paints and even paintbrushes and trays, which is something I guess we don't always consider in the decorating process. I think Rob's the perfect guest to discuss colour psychology within our homes and what his experience have been in the last few years in terms of trends and how we've chosen hues and used them and whether our preferences are changing as we head through this year. Coat Paints have already collaborated with Heels and Urban Outfitters, developing exclusive colours for their customers, which is pretty impressive. So Rob, I know, will give some great insight on how they develop these to perfection for such respected brands, along with advice for anyone wanting to start up their own sustainable company. Hello, Rob. It's lovely to chat with you today and find out more about Coat Paints, although you know I'm already a fan and use your paint. So where are you based today? Yeah, nice to chat too. Um, I'm in our studio in Clerkenwell. So yeah, pretty between Clerkenwell and Farringdon. I always think of your company as well as Coat Paints as the two Robs. So how did you two meet and become Coat Paints? Yeah, it's fair. I mean, it, it get, being called Rob, uh, both of us, we get away with murder, but we, we met... Uh, 14 years ago, we were interns together at uh, at BMW Group. So we worked in marketing uh, there together um, and, yeah, stayed stayed close ever since that, really. So know each other very well. And you, with Coat Paints, are more on the marketing side, aren't you? And Rob is more on the product formulation side. How did you decide who was going to do what? Yeah, it was... Um, it was quite good actually. So we we after we kind of interned at BMW together, I stayed with BMW in in marketing roles for about seven years. So working in the UK, Germany, and, and the states. So yeah, I'm the the marketing brand guy, if you like. Uh, then went to a couple of startups. Whereas Rob um, did did a few other things, but latterly was in uh, Sherwin Williams, so biggest paint company uh, in the world. And between the two of us, it was funny when we when we started the business, we got a whiteboard, um, wrote down bits of business, so kind of everything from finance, HR, production, marketing, wrote them all down and uh, quite naturally went, I like these bits and he went, I like these bits and that's kind of how it happened, which uh, which works well because, yeah, he's naturally the product product and operations guy know, knows that really well and, and, and I'm, a, I'm a real brand guy. And and how did you come to the realisation that paints and sustainability were a big passion for you both? Was it from him working for a paint company before or did you just come to a realisation? I think it was a it was a mixture of things. So we both were both quite entrepreneurially minded um, and have been for, for a long time. Um, but I think we did that kind of growing up piece over our 20s and 30s where we moved house, I think, seven times between the two of us bought Victorian terraces, uh, did them up ourselves, kind of full DIY um, jobs. And it became a running joke, actually, how how much time we were spending kind of in DIY stores and, and with with paint samples and tester pots and that that whole process. So that experience, that personal experience was the, was the seed. Um, and we thought we could make that better for, for people. And then with Rob kind of being in 
uh, in a big paint company, sort of seeing how how that works and getting his deep kind of understanding of, of product and stuff, he was convinced that we could really disrupt a market with with a brand that that made sense. And, and the biggest gap there for us was around sustain, sustainability. So though that kind of combination of three things and the desire to kind of build a sustainable brand is is what kicked things off for us really, and that's where Coat that was born effectively. And how was it starting a brand new company in the midst of uh, lockdown? Yeah, it was it was interesting. I don't think it was all bad. I mean, lockdown was bad and the whole experience was, was pretty awful for, for everyone, as, as we know. But I think we we had almost the luxury of, of, of locking ourselves away. We left our jobs in June uh, 2020, pretty much locked ourselves away for three, three and a half months doing everything from production sourcing through to building websites and the, and the whole thing the the positive I think was once the world had kind of worked out how to to deal remotely and kind of um, do business virtually things actually happened relatively quickly because there was less distraction so actually I think it helped us speed up that that process um, and obviously we were just laser focused on on the business because there was nothing else uh, nothing else to do so I think that side was was okay and then i think the 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 kind of customer appetite for for buying paint online was just given a big a big turbo charge by by nature of the fact that the shops were well they were open actually a bit but just by nature of not wanting to to go out and mix with people and, and do that so it wasn't entirely um bad for us as a business i think well that's good people were doing a lot of their own interior design and home renovations weren't they in that time as well so yeah, yeah i guess guess not all bad so you're you're the first climate positive paint company. Correct. Um, that that's quite a statement, isn't it? But I can see you're living up to it. It's all clear on your website. What does it entail for you to keep that going? Yeah, it's a good it's a good point. And actually, that that climate positive message it's a it's a certification, so it's something you have to go through a, a relatively big process to get. Um, but but fundamentally, it means like you say it means we're standing on what we said we were going to do from the start by creating a paint company in a very different way than than anybody else and and being able to stand on every decision that we make so that is everything from I mean we've got a uh, an accountability section on our website specifically so that we are very very kind of open and and, and, uh, vocal about what what we do um but it kind of spans everything. And I know we'll, we'll probably talk about products and things, but everything from kind of the product itself, so the, the paint itself, the swatches, the accessories, but being climate positive means you're going beyond um, beyond carbon neutrality. So we're making a statement saying, actually, if we're in a uh, if we're in a climate crisis, which I think everybody knows, we get beaten around the head with it often. Um, and we know that, but we feel like we need to do more. So so being sustainable implies that you're just going to keep doing the same thing, whereas being climate positive means you're going to proactively make decisions to do better. So you're giving back more than you take. Um, and in numbers, that means we understand our carbon footprint, not just ours as coat, but our whole supply chain. Um, and we double offset the unavoidable emissions there. So we're literally understanding every part of our supply chain and our impact um, and investing in climate positive projects um, to double offset that. So that's kind of the material um, impact of, of what that claim means. Right. And so it's something you have to kind of keep on top of all the time. 
Yeah, yeah. So it's a constant monitoring and evaluation process of, like I say, not just us as a business, but our supply chain, our delivery partners and, and the whole thing. We've got uh, a full-time uh, product and sustainability manager uh, who does that uh, as a job. Now, talking about your paints, um, I've used them in my own home and now I'm a trade customer with you for my design work. And the finish is excellent, I have to say. I'm sure you know that anyway. But the paint is very velvety and creamy and the colours are really good. So how long does it take you to perfect the formulations? It must take a while to get them just right. Yeah, it does. And that's where Rob is probably the, the guy to to talk most about this. And he, he could talk for a long time. But I think right right at the beginning when we were perfecting that formula it is it is a recipe so paint it and it's a question we get asked all the time what's the difference between kind of x paint and y paint and, and largely it's to do with a combination of ingredients so everything from how much uh kind of pigment is in there resin so de- depth of color durability uh, base so all, all of our paints are water-based rather than um kind of oil oil and solvent based which is a sustainability decision as well as a kind of um user experience decision so it doesn't stink and it doesn't kind of um give off gases and stuff but yeah we we spent a long time with various different formulations and recipes at the start um there's an awful wall in my house i painted over it now but it was originally our test our testing wall for um for formulations so yeah there's a lot of back and forth on that on that recipe and i think even that is iterative so i think yeah, it's it's fantastic and we're, we're very happy with our product, but Rob is constantly kind of stress testing that product, different surfaces, different finishes, seeing how we can we can make it better. So um, we're happy, but we won't, we won't stop, if that makes sense. Great. Yeah. And you've got, is it 56 colours now? Maybe more. <laughs> 56, yeah. So there's 50 of ours and then six that we did with heels, which is, a, is an exclusive edit. So, yeah, 56. We'll talk about that in a bit. Because these days for me, you know, as we've all evolved, paint is like it's a real investment. And I'd always rather budget for paint and spend more on it to get good quality. And it's, you know, it's positive health wise for clients and obviously my own home. Coat are very low in VOCs. We're all still learning what these things mean, but can you, in very simple terms, explain what VOCs are and the benefits of keeping them low? Yeah, for sure. So it, it means volatile organic compounds, which obviously nobody knows what that means, and it's a it's a weird industry jargon jargon term. But it's basically the nasty stuff. So it's the the gases that come off um, when you paint paint the paint on the wall. So you want to minimise it. The reason everyone talks about low um, is because the the lower the better in effect um so what that means for for kind of paint companies is uh low is a is an interesting word so the the eu defines low as less than 30 grams um coat for example is just about two so so when we talk about low we're talking about near zero but but the industry definition is about 30 is about 30 grams but yeah in a nutshell the lower the better the less gases coming off the paint um i mean we're well away from the the 90s horrors of where you would paint with with a, a i don't know a, an oil based gloss and it would stink for 3 weeks hopefully the industry's moved moved beyond that now but um we're all kind of definitely targeting um very very low to to zero product for the health of of customers effectively yeah and you can totally tell the difference you know it's so nice to work on a, a client's room and for them to step in soon afterwards and no smell yeah yeah I know it makes a huge difference and your paints come really quick 
when when I've ordered them. Um, where where are they all made up? So they're mixed in Suffolk. So everything uh, our supply chain is entirely UK based, which is important to us from a, a sustainability perspective as well, and not shipping ingredients all over. So um, yeah, Suffolk is where if you order paint today before one, somebody is is kind of picking that mixing it um and shipping it to you to land tomorrow so it's it's 24 7 delivery basically all, all week okay near me i'm in suffolk so nearest town it's in the middle of nowhere but nearest town is called dis um, so am i there we go <laughs> i love your sticks watches they are brilliant because they're reusable aren't they and very handy to move around from wall to wall so that you know you can see how they will look, how the colours will look against different lights and obviously no mess. So how how has the response been to those generally? Great. Yeah. I mean, that for us was kind of a an, a, a no brainer when we started the business. We were, we were never going to produce um, tester pots in the traditional sense. One, one from an eco standpoint, of course, but two, just from a from being someone that's that's used them and, and had my understairs covered full of them for, for years. You know, everyone's got a drawer in their house with probably five or six of those. Um, those in there so again there's a wall in my house from when we were testing the different materials to use for the for the peel and stick it's it's ripped to bits because some of the ones that we tried were sort of way too uh way too sticky but that's a, that's another story but yeah we um we were convinced on that that was the way forward and, and the response i think from from customers uh again backing the just the simplicity of it and going wow yeah why has no one why has no one done this before but also um kind of the usability so you can pretty easily put the thing next to sofas that you can move it around and put it by curtains and really see kind of how the color interacts with different bits of your scheme really really easily um and then yeah of course it, it's kind of 95 percent less kind of waste than than a tester pot um there's no glue on them. It's actually a really clever material. So there's no solvents or glue. It, it's tiny, almost like gecko's feet, tiny little uh, suction caps. So it will stick on the wall, but it won't uh, won't take the paint off your wall, which is obviously is obviously critical. Um, and finished in real paint was the other big thing. So I remember at the beginning um, having to communicate to people that that they're not kind of printed, which a lot of of, of swatches and things that you see are it's actually real coat paint so we can guarantee that the color and this is a big this is a big customer problem right you you can't always guarantee that the color you paint is going to match but we wanted to do that so they're all um they're all painted in real paint real coat paint so it's they're accurate as well yeah i find them really useful uh i've seen the name associated with you carbon jacked so it's a partner accreditor isn't it what does that actually mean yeah so to to kind of as a business, to call yourself carbon neutral or climate positive, um, you uh, have to be accredited. So it's not something that companies should just call themselves, although I think it's, it's a bit rogue sometimes. But Carbon Jacta are, are our partner. So they are kind of an independent third party that help us with our with our audit. So measuring all of our emissions, working with our suppliers. Um, and they effectively tell us, look, guys, this is your this is your carbon footprint um and then we work with them on offsetting projects so some of the current ones are um forest protection in in tanzania so they they help us kind of build those connections and offset the the unavoidable bits of um of our emissions so i guess they're like a they're they're an independent uh, accrediting body i guess that does that 
So going back to your products briefly, I was really impressed to see with your tools um, that they're sustainably made and recyclable. Like you've got sugarcane trays and bamboo handles and water-based primers. It just shows that these things can be done and maybe sort of should be done nowadays. Yeah, definitely. Um, again, remember starting the business, walking the aisles of DIY stores and um, you'll struggle to pick up a paintbrush that isn't plastic in, in most of them. And, and we thought actually with the way everything's moving plastic isn't isn't the way to go so again it was just business decisions at the start how can we do the best with with the tools and the idea is that they're they're more expensive than your kind of throwaway plastic brush but kind of the point is that you you keep them um you keep them for a long time so they're they're bamboo bamboo handled recycled metal um uh kind of elements to them and they should last a lifetime and um, they're really nice to use i don't know if you've used them with with any of your your stuff but they're um they're incredibly smooth and, and actually uh i don't want to be that good workman blames his tools thing but actually that they're, they're incredible tools so it does help get get that kind of paint finish that you that you want um shout out especially to the mini foam roller which was actually new to me um when we started Co, I'd never used one before, but it's for it's for kind of woodwork and, and eggshell. And it's just incredible. It's our top hack that we recommend to people painting kind of panelling or, or skirting boards and doors. Just gets you uh, kind of completely brush-free, smooth finish for that kind of wood and, um, and trim work. So that's my favourite bit of kit that we, that we do. Great. Yeah. Give that a go for sure. And you don't test on animals either, do you? Is there anything that you haven't thought of? I don't well I guess it's the beauty of starting from scratch right we we kind of had that that opportunity and, and we're in an industry with with kind of lots of people it's a very old industry 100 years old and and yeah I guess we were lucky that we could every decision we made had had that in mind so Rob and I always from the start said we need to be able to stand on every decision and it, it's hard for a small business because a lot of doing things right a lot of the time costs you more money as a as a business um but I think people understand that. And I think that's why kind of products are priced the way they are and, and, and how we, we are. We're standing for a different way of doing things that isn't fast fashion, consumerism and, and just doing things um, properly. But it's nice of you to say, but I think, yeah, we, we, we've had to make every single decision. So, yeah, it's just been nature of um, nature of building the business. One question I get asked a lot is what is the difference between paint finishes? And it's easy to assume that everyone just knows what they are and what they do. As I'm talking with you now as an expert, what difference uh, and what ingredients does it take for um, a paint to be suitable for a wall or a floor or a kitchen unit? Yeah, good, good question. And one that we get quite a lot as well. Um, so we offer four four finish types. Um, our main kind of, I guess, eighty percent of of people um, choose a, a flat map. So it's it's a matte finish kind of wall paint. Um, and going back to the recipe, that needs to be kind of matte enough and finished that it has that kind of modern look that people like, but also durable enough to kind of withstand scuffs and and marks and and all those kind of things. But that's our kind of um, product for for yeah. 80% of, of people. Um, we specifically decided to do a few finishes. There are a few companies doing kind of one size fits all finishes, but uh, Rob obviously is, is the, the paint expert back backs me up on this, that actually it, it doesn't quite work in, in the same way. It doesn't work in a lot of places. One size fits all you're compromising something. 
So, for example, our soft sheen paint um, has a shine to it. It's designed for bathrooms and, and kitchens and, and wet areas, effectively. So what the matte paint will do in that uh, environment, if it's particularly hot or, or wet or something, you'll get sort of streak marks. And I, I've done this in the past and had 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 this experience in my bathroom, whereas the the soft sheen is, um, it has a shinier finish. So aesthetically, it's different than the flat matte, but it uh, it's water resistant and mold resistant. So you can use it confidently in, in those sorts of um, those sorts of spaces. Um, it has different kind of uh, components in it, a little bit more acrylic in there to make it kind of wipeable and, and that sort of stuff. Um, and then lastly, the eggshell paint for, for wood and metal. The difference with this one is, again, durability. So it, it, it doesn't have a, a big shine to it. It's about 10%, but it's specifically designed to level, as, as, the, as the paint geeks like me would, would call it, which means kind of sit smooth on, on wood and, and, and metal surfaces and then cure really, really hard. So if you painted your kind of kitchen cupboards in a, in a matte emulsion, it wouldn't be very long before you started getting grease marks in there because it's slightly porous and, you know, banging cupboard doors, you'd start to notice knocks and stuff, whereas the, the eggshell is designed exactly to deal with all of that. So you can bang your cupboard doors, kind of open and shut all day long and, and smear greasy fingers over it and it'll be, it'll be there to last. So they're the, they're the big differences. And then exterior paint, um, obviously pretty pretty self-explanatory, but that one is just slightly more pigmentation in it to, to stand up to, to UV specifically. Um, and then also kind of some weather, weather resistant properties, not dissimilar to the, to the soft sheen products. So kind of water, uh, ingress resistance and, and things like that. So I think in summary, it, it can get confusing sometimes. And we, we know that, and we've tussled between kind of simplicity versus actually right paint, right job. And I think that the four that we've got there for kind of walls, wet areas wood and outside um will all do those jobs jobs perfectly so i do think that's important that keeps it nice and simple doesn't it i think yeah i think so and and we we try to help people by by sort of yeah explaining the products as just that this is for interior wood this is for walls yeah you know keeping it like that we could i mean you could keep going right you could have floor floor paints gloss paints there's there's quite a lot um we don't do a floor paint for example and we don't advise people to use our our paint on the floor um, because we know that that kind of paint has a lot more uh, acrylic resin in it it's a completely different composition so we we would steer someone towards somebody else's product as weird as that says for, for that because yeah right paint right job Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And how um, trend driven are you? Do you study sort of future colours and trends to make your colour choices? Um, yeah, yes and no. So we, we're kind of part of, uh, I guess, trend gazing um, bodies and, and we'll look at kind of what's projected to be to be trendy. There's often quite long long horizons on those things. So you're talking kind of 18 months, something like that. So yeah, we know what's going on. I think we we produce all of our paint to order, which I think I mentioned before. So unlike any other paint company, I think we we don't stock color, so we can change our palette um, really really quickly and, and and do do that. So I think for us actually, we listen to our customers a lot more than we listen to um, trend agencies and forecasting agencies. So if we know, for example, how many 
of our paint swatches, uh, the peel and stick swatches are, are being sold. We can tell pretty quickly if people like a color or not, purely based on that conversion rate from the kind of paint swatch going out to, to ordering paint. So we're constantly looking at that data um, and also just asking customers that don't order, like, what, what are we missing? What colors have we not got? So it's it's a constant kind of data-driven shuffle um, between not offering a million colors, which is absolutely the wrong thing to do from our point of view, but but offering things that people people want. Um, so yeah, I think we're, we've got our finger on the pulse, but I, I'd like to say we're more customer-driven than, than trend-driven. And which have become your staple colors? Which are you seeing uh, being used the most? Yeah, it's been pretty stable, I would say, for the last year. I mean, we've only been in, in business sort of 18 months, but our, our, our big hitters, our popular colors have, have stayed relatively consistent. Things like... Um, neutrals at the at the warmer end of, of the spectrum so less uh less grays more kind of taupe uh taupe based uh neutrals brownie neutrals um incredibly popular uh and then i guess the other big group is is the opposite end which is dark and moody as i call it so dark uh, very dark blues dark greens moving into mid greens actually probably now since the end of last year so it's, it's, it's more sort of grubby olive type um shades but the consistent thing interestingly is that um sort of brown base or that that earthiness um is is pretty consistent in all of our most popular colors your your new ones for 2022 have generally been pinks and some greens haven't they and some taupes so it's quite biophilic really which makes me feel very happy so are you seeing people edging that way more towards nature yeah definitely and and we um we did some work last year on just kind of exactly this really understanding what the popular color were colors were how they were kind of um linked to to color psychology and, and that side of things and exactly to your point i think nature the the earthiness of those kind of colors um most of like I said our popular ones we, we call them grubby um which is probably not a not a industry or an expert term but effectively it is that um that gray brown brownness to them and and greens in particular pinks like you say we've just added a few few for spring um but all all natural natural shades rather than your kind of uh high chroma vivid stuff so yeah it is definitely I think it's more than a trend. I think it plays to the the nature of the mood uh, in in the country over the last year or so. I think that that outdoor the outdoors and kind of comforting um, warmth is what people have been been after. Yeah, and it's just who we are, isn't it? Really, the colours that we are kind of drawn to. So, have you seen a definite change then over the last eighteen months? You know, since we've well, we've been through a funny old time, haven't we? Has that reflected in choices? We've seen some movement. So I would say the kind of the earthy neutrals is pretty perennial. So that that has been been a mainstay since since the start, really. And that, um, yeah, it used to be kind of mid grey, sort of cool, cooler greys and stuff. But yeah, definitely the taupey stuff. And then at, in the beginning, I think more of the sort of forest greens uh so ditch the tie is one of our, our very, very popular um dark greens still is um the drink which is a teal 
kind of a dark teal. Um, they're still really popular. They're starting to get edged out, um, like I was saying, by kind of more more olivey shades. Um, so with more kind of yellow in um, over the last, I'd say probably six months or so, we've started to to notice that. So hence kind of our palette uh, palette drop this year, including quite a lot of, I think out of the 15 that we launched, there's probably five greens, um, all quite, uh, yellow based olivey, um, olivey shades. So that's probably the biggest, biggest change, um, that we've seen. I love the zingy limey plant power you developed, uh, for the start of the green planet with David Attenborough. What was the thought process and the final decision on that color? Because obviously it could be any kind of green, couldn't it? So what, made you choose that particular color yeah do you know it so it's uh, i guess that sort of very vivid chartreuse green we 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 weren't designing that color to be kind of a a mass market appeal color i think it was it was a statement and the the whole the whole piece there was about um and and the programming that, that kind of inspired it was all all about making a climate statement so i think that was that was what drove that decision we we could have kind of kept to our muted homeland but no we, we thought you know what this one this isn't a, a powerful message it's a it's a powerful color um and we've seen a few people use it i've seen a um i've seen a ceiling in it which is which is incredible um i've seen somebody use it for um uh, for a fireplace so do you know what it, it was punchy deliberately um and we loved it and and contributed kind of the money from that to to the World Land Trust and that that's kind of how we we showed our support to to that cause. Do you ever see I mean you must spend quite a bit of time doing your market research looking at social media I mean I know I do too do you see a lot of people following trends such as like Pantone's very peri isn't it the latest one so purples because I'm not seeing it so much but it doesn't mean that it's not happening. Yeah um, it's interesting isn't it I think it so if I put my if I put my business head on no as in I think you you see some content around the the launch time and, and kind of few people using it but at that point in time I think those colors are are very are quite niche often um so I think you're pointing to a trend that we might see more of next year by the time it kind of reaches mainstream um one thing we do uh we do see a lot is the more kind of real life imagery we can get of a color so the more people painting their their kind of real homes and their real spaces in color the more popular that color becomes or or, or sells so pe- the more people can see it being used the better um and i think with those trend colors it's probably just a case of um i think oh, dulux had one last year that was sort of a brown brown color and at the time i think everybody went oh what's that but actually it's starting to make its way into um into the mainstream now so i just think it's a it's a timing thing and and yeah giving people a chance to to see it more um and get comfortable with it but um lilac's a funny one i think oh it's not really lilac is it but you know that that sort of purple is really difficult i think i can't remember we, we were working with a color consultant actually in in germany about our european palette and she was talking about purple being one of the most, I think the most polarizing um, color, even after red. So it's a really difficult one for, um, for I think a lot of people to use. Yeah, it's definitely a love it or hate it color, isn't it? I think. I think so. Yeah, I think so. It must feel really lovely and quite surreal to see your paint 
uh, on walls in all different homes. Is it a nice feeling? It, it is nice. It's um, it was weird at the start because obviously you're sort of living in this bubble of launching the business and and, and whatever, and and yeah, it, it's surreal. But I think you know, run, running a startup and a, a business quite there's a lot of pressure and it's stressful and stuff. But occasionally, like I'll I'll browse Instagram and I'll see how people have have used used colors and yeah it does feel really nice it feels like um that's kind of what we're we're doing it for ultimately um to help people create create homes and, and spaces that they that they love so it's um it's really nice and i, I love our um tagged feed on instagram a lot yeah yeah have you spotted anyone trying out new ways of using paint with your colors on instagram because it actually is a really good place to go isn't it to kind of see what people are up to yes um I mean, there's the, the there's the kind of the the paneling trend and, and various versions of that 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 we see cropping up. So some people have done some quite clever things with um, multi layer paneling and creating kind of almost sort of features um, on the wall with with different layers of wood and, and painting that up, which always looks really cool. Um, I always love to see kitchen revamps. So that's one of my favourite things. So when people have taken, I don't know a you take a shaker style kitchen which is pretty um pretty timeless in, in style but people have taken a sort of 90s 90s shaker kitchen and given it a, a coat of i don't know ditch the tie green or or a, or a dark almost blue off black or something and incredible sort of transformations um using using our products so i really i do really like to see um to see that kind of stuff and and the other one that comes through that is uh, awesome is largely in nurseries actually so a lot of our customers have have children, um, so young children. So we see um, nursery murals and stuff. Um, and I've I've given paint to to neighbours various dregs of different colours to kind of create murals and stuff using, you know, decorating tape and creating mountain shapes and sun shapes and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's actually not super difficult to do. You have to have a lot of patience, but um, seeing those kind of projects and the creativity there, I think, is really nice. Yeah, absolutely. And you've already had a brilliant collaboration with Heels. How did you develop those colours? Because their customers are quite a tough crowd, really. They know exactly what they want and obviously have very good taste. Yeah, definitely. Um, and there's some his- there's some history there. I think my my house is is full of 1950s Heels uh, furniture that that I inherited from my my grandparents. So there's a there's an emotional connection there, and it's a brand I've always really loved personally so it was kind of on the hit list of, of of dream collabs for for me but the color palette itself I think the whole the whole collaboration was really about look heels is a is a design icon 200 year old business coat is a one-year-old um one-year-old digital startup how do these two businesses kind of collaborate so all of the um all of the colors have do do play very much on that heritage that that heels has and i think timelessness was a big part of it so if we talk about trends versus timelessness i think if you look at that palette uh hopefully you agree but they're, they're designed as relatively kind of yeah t- timeless shades um pretty uh, pretty iconic names some of them so named after kind of the heels founder their first store um so they all have a story behind it and a lot of it was kind of driven by by working with heels and their interior design service to understand their their type of customer to your point um very quality focused hence why coat made sense from a paint point of view 
very kind of um, keen on what they like, but also, yeah, high, high standards. So they drove that that color palette discussion and we ended with those six six shades so about half kind of dark and moody half sort of neutral shades um that are designed in theory the idea is you should be able to kind of use one of those colors in in pretty much any space and in any scheme um and and it will look kind of effortlessly um timeless and, and kind of elegant yeah there's quite a lot of greens and blues and sort of this grayish color wasn't there so they're beautiful really loved them Great. Ambrose is the uh, the grey yeah, named after Trevor Trevor Ambrose. I've got that one in um, in my bedroom at home actually. Oh, lovely! And also, uh, there's the collaboration with Urban Outfitters, which is a slightly different age demographic, really, isn't it? So that must have been fun. Yes. Yeah, so similar process again. It was kind of working with them on who are your customers, who who are we talking to, and what what do they like. Um, so to your point, yeah, completely different demographic, but still similar underlying qualities of being, regardless of age, I think being sustainability focused and very keen on, on that aspect. And, and again, quality focused. Um, but the color edit is almost the polar opposite, right? It's it's very saturated, very vivid. Um, pinks, greens, oranges, you know, uh, kind of... Um, 50s Miami inspired some of it so yeah similar process of working to understand the customer um that the output obviously is very is very different and I think for for coat that was about our view on kind of there's no right or wrong when it comes to color it's about what um what you like and, and what your your style is so yeah we we like creating these these kind of edits that that work for um for groups of people and and, and kind of um brands yeah, you've mentioned your own home and a few of the colours and perhaps some of the furniture, but what are your personal preferences when it comes to colour palettes? And has that, has that changed since you started your company? Yeah, uh, well, I've, I had to repaint most rooms in my house so that I, I wasn't embarrassed when I told people it was something other than coat. So I've just finished that, which is which is good. Um, but, do you know, I think going back to the furniture piece so the the 50s heels stuff some kind of sylvia reed stag furniture things like that that i absolutely love kind of do drive the the scheme in in a lot of the rooms so kind of orangey tiki wood um i've got a mix of kind of the warm neutral so ambrose was one of the shades sunday soul is the other one that's used quite a lot uh, in in um, at home that that's kind of a a taupey a brown based taupe color uh, in the living space and then I suppose the only thing I've done I've done two things differently since starting coat the first one is I made um the office which is a small I guess box room that that a lot of people have at the back um completely dark green so ceilings walls uh, skirting boards the whole shebang having previously done it white on the on the kind of I guess now as I understand it misconception of, of painting a small room white to make it feel bigger it, it doesn't actually it just makes it feel even more more drab so embrace the small space and paint it all dark and I absolutely love um, spending time in that in that room now um, and then the second thing and this came from getting a dog actually but in uh, in the hallway painting uh the bottom section of the hallway so it's a kind of dado rail halfway um dado rail is that we call it yeah halfway up in a slightly darker shade so using 
good intentions instead of Sunday Soul. So same spectrum, darker shade, uh, darker shade, but um, using soft sheen paint. So using the bathroom paint in the hallway sounds a bit odd, but actually, if you well, I live in a Victorian terrace, so the dog comes in the front door, uh, shakes off straight away, um, and yeah, spatters the wall. So that learning about different finishes of paints and and how they can work in 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 uh my house in different ways is a game changer so that just wipes wipes clean perfectly um actually i think that sort of gloss look is quite nice and i've seen people using it recently on ceilings to kind of bounce the bounce the light around so i think that's coming back a bit as well using um a higher sheen in, in different areas yeah we certainly have i've got a labrador so anywhere that you know he has um access to it has to you know it's just you can't avoid it really I know it was coming to an end at the end of this week, but you've got an exciting crowdfunding campaign going on at the moment, haven't you? So there's still a few more days to get involved if anyone wants to. So um, w- what's happening with that? Yeah, so um, we we are ra- yeah, raising, I guess, in, yeah, investment in, in Coat. Um, background to that, our, our initial kind of investors, so the people that helped us get Coat off the ground, were 23 of our of our friends and closest um uh, closest friends and family so you're talking grandparents siblings best friends you know that 23 of them um invested and got coat from kind of an idea to to a business so i think now we're we're 18 months old we've grown an awful lot kind of in that time which we're really proud of um so it's time for us to kind of keep growing and and that that investment around that crowd fund allows us to kind of um bring our customers in and customers and fans in on that journey so people can can invest um i mean it's literally anything from kind of 10 pounds upwards um to to own part of the business and and we we really like that idea of having a community driven um business with people that that love paint love interiors love coat um and want to be want to be part of it want to be part of the future of of kind of what we're doing so yeah that's um it's live now on a platform called cedars so um we'll be live for a while uh but uh yeah would love any any coat fans to check it out yeah i think also if people sign up to your newsletter you you update on it don't you we do yeah yeah so we're constantly kind of communicating what what's going on on with that um via that um uh weekly yeah so what else have you got coming up then have you got a busy rest of the year yeah, it's getting. It feels that way. I can't believe it's April already, but um, yeah, we are launching in Europe, so that's a pretty big uh, deal at this point. So we're um, getting a, a production operation, local production operation in uh, in Belgium. Um, so that will allow us to kind of bring coat to to anyone in Europe, really, but but particularly in um, Germany, the Netherlands, and, and France is where we're we're focusing. Um, is where we see a real affinity for the kind of sustainable, digital driven. Um, brands like ours uh, so that that's going to be a big part of this year for us is, is getting out there um in those countries and then you know kind of more more color palette uh work so you'll see kind of a new drop in june of, of some different um different shades um growing the team so we're about 15 people now so it, it's uh it's pretty fast paced but yeah enough to keep us busy and your story is really inspiring. Can you give any advice to anyone who um, is very into sustainability and wants to start a business, but they're not quite sure where to start? Good question. I mean, start start somewhere, I think, is, is probably um, that sounds like sort of uh, yeah rubbish advice. But that is the hardest part. And the hardest thing I found was was moving between 
tried to start quite a lot of businesses while I was still working over the over the years and and never it never really works I think start that that put a point in the sand where it becomes real and you want to you want to do it and and that is where the game changes because the minute your attention is entirely on on the thing that you that you love and that's another important thing I think doing something that you love not just um not just running away from something that you don't which I I have also questioned myself on but find something you love and then commit to it um easier said than done way easier and I know that I've, I've kind of been through that that process but um yeah it's uh it's great it's uh, it means you can really especially with something sustainable that you believe in that that will have a big impact on a on an industry or or a generation if you want to look at it like that um it's easy to keep the passion um so I would say just yeah go for it thank you so much for the chat and I'm very excited to see what you do next I'm looking forward to your new color palette in June perfect nice one thanks Lucy coat paints can be found at www.coatpaints.com where you will find all the colours and tools that you need. There's also a really handy colour visualiser to help you choose if you're looking to buy some. You'll also find them at Coat Paints on Instagram. You can see what I'm up to over on my website, Lucy Gleason Interiors, www.lucylovesyou.com and find me on Instagram at Lucy Gleason Interiors. Have a good week and don't forget to subscribe to Live Your Own Way for the next episode. Until then, have a good one. Mm-hmm.